0: FYI, this podcast contains spoilers.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode of Snickety Snicks on the podcast that goes snicked. Snick, snick. We have a special flashback episode. I'm your host, Jason Manly Beauty Venable. And I'm joined, oh wait, we got some lady energy on the flashback episode today.
0: Lady energy?
1: I'm joined by Denise. In the 18th century, I have a mole, Venable.
0: <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I have a mole?
1: Only in the 18th century.
0: Where is this mole? How big is it? It's
1: in the 18th century, it's right by your lip, and it goes away when you come back to the present.
0: I don't like that name.
1: <laughs> well, you're stuck with it.
0: Alright. Anyway,
1: we have some uh, lady energy on the uh, flashback episode this time because we have not one, not two, but three first appearances of some pretty important ex-women. Or, you know, at least two out of three.
0: Flower power. Or female power, whatever. The
1: sisterhood of the traveling pants. That's right. That's right. Anyway, I wanted to have uh, Denise on to kind of talk about, get a little... Feminine perspective on some uh, new female characters.
0: Estrogen versus testosterone.
1: Well, it's to be versus. Why can't we all just get along?
0: <laughs> that's what. That what is it? Uh, women are from Venus, men are from Mars. Yes,
1: that's, that's the word on the street.
0: Yeah, we're all from different universes. Marvel wasn't the first one to come up with
1: it. <laughs> ain't to, ain't to bust some science on you. Yeah pretty sure Venus and Mars are not only in the same universe, but actually in the same solar system. They're separated by one lonely planet.
0: Okay, well I got a dog licking my hand right now.
1: (laughs) Not my problem.
0: (laughs) Max, uh, executive producer. Right. Yeah.
1: So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna see how these uh these women folk are introduced in the grand old year of nineteen eighty.
0: Woohoo, that was the year my brother was born. Mine too. Nice.
1: Yeah. All right, well, brothers aside, let's talk about some chicks. All right, here we go. Okay, but before we get to said um lady energy, we're gonna take a small detour. Uh oh. You see in the middle of our nice uh, X Men run we've been having, an uncanny X Men, we get another little kind of one-off appearance by Wolverine, and it is in uh, a backup story in Marvel Treasury Edition number 26. Nice. All right, so just a little bit about this book. Uh, The Marvel Treasury Edition was a collection of reprints back in the late 70s, early 80s. Started off doing a bunch of Spider-Man collections and then moved on and became primarily a Hulk book where it reprinted old uh, Incredible Hulk issues. Okay. And it was pretty rare to have any new material, but number 26, or issue 26, is one of those rare exceptions. And the backup story stars a uh, Wolverine and Hercules. And it is called At the Sign of the Lion. It is written by Mary Jo Duffy, of uh, Marvel Star Wars fame, penciled by Ken Landgraf, who... I don't remember who that is. <laughs> Eat by George Perez. Michael Higgins did the letters. Christy Shield did the colors. Okay. So basically, Wolverine is out chasing skirts. Yes, is he chasing I just did skirts air or
0: Is he just uh, trying to drown his sorrows and whoever pops up is.
1: No, well, he says in a little bit he's chasing skirts. Anyway, uh, he's rude to a chick. Then Hercules yes, that one, shows up and talks some Greek smack. Wolverine gets little man syndrome and starts a fight. Their fight runs everyone off and then ends in a stalemate. Hercules says, I'm going to call it off now.
0: You're, You're a fine competitor.
1: Right. And they drink together.
0: Share a pint. So, um... And then they're bummed that everybody left the bar.
1: Yes, yeah. They ran off all the ladies, all the damsels.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: All right, so there's a few good one-liners, but this is um, a mostly pointless little story. And I Hercules th- is really annoying.
0: Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought he was annoying. Yeah. I think uh, I met him in a bar once, though. Hercules? Yeah, or somebody like him, <laughs> or thought he was him.
1: Okay. Well, I will say, um, just notable to point out that in this part, and we're not really exactly sure where, like, you would plug this in to the X Men story, as far as timeline-wise. I thought this was a good place to put it because we had a little break, okay, in the in the story. So I figured I'd stick it here because uh, starting in 129, which we're about to talk to talk about next, that story kind of goes until like 138. So there's really nowhere else to stick stuff. Okay. Um, so I, I decided to stick this here. I think it actually came out. Um, about the time of one thirty four, one thirty three, somewhere in there. Okay. But um anyway, this is where we're doing it. So in this at this point, wherever it may fall in this story, uh Wolverine is bitching about Scott and Jean, about how Scott's a weapon doesn't deserve her.
0: Typical Wolverine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I will say this is the first time he's in his more um outdoorsy civvies. He's a little less urban cowboy and a little more marrow man, which I like this a lot.
0: Well, I was going to say, is this the f- first time we see him smoking a cigarette versus a no. cigar?
1: No, no, no. Actually, he has not moved a cigar yet. Oh. That happens a little bit later. I think people get mad about cigarettes in comics, and they disappear for a while. And gotcha. Wolverine switches to a cigar at that point.
0: I have to say, I think a cigar is more manly.
1: I feel like a cigar fits Wolverine more.
0: I do. I kind of feel like cigarettes are douchey. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: They're more musician.
0: No, they're not musician. Yes. They're like... Affliction-wearing wannabe. <laughs> no. So
1: I also wondered, how long does it take Hercules to put on all those wig straps?
0: Um, he well, That's, that's got to
1: be a chore in the morning.
0: I say he you just leaves has, them on.
1: You think he has some winches that do it for him?
0: Possibly.
1: Yeah. I do think it's funny that uh, Wolverine calls Hercules Tinkerbell.
0: I did like that. Is, I did like how he wore a cowboy hat to cover up his uh, weird little hair
1: Well, yeah, he's out in public, you know, just drinking his... Because
0: he doesn't own a comb.
1: (laughs) You can't comb that shit.
0: It's called hair gel. All
1: right. So we get a snick with no tea.
0: Hmm?
1: We get a snick. Just a snick. S-N-I-K.
0: That's blasphemy right there. Yep
1: and this was our snicked has already been pretty well established and so there's really um, no excuse for this one i like how he pops it right through his gloves though he's i all
0: wondered all why he like was wearing his, gloves his
1: ranch hand gloves
0: yeah why is he totally cowboyed out
1: well he's always that way especially back then he was real and kind of westerny in fact the first time we ever see him like out of his uniform uh he jumped in cameron the he looked like burt reynolds and that was his secret identity but anyway, yeah, this is more, this is more like ranch. John, this is more John, John Steinbeck, less Burt Reynolds.
0: Brokeback Mountain? Huh? That's what it reminds me of.
1: <laughs> okay. And you're Hercules all, you're and all Wolverine.
0: Cow- <laughs> <laughs> the little Brokeback Mountain. That's go. why it's not snicked.
1: Right. It's just a snick.
0: It's snick. Right? That's so, what it is. So snicked. <laughs> snick.
1: So Wolverine still refers to himself as the third person, but he's dropped the article. Instead of saying the Wolverine about himself, he just says Wolverine don't don't share what he can fight for. I did think it was funny that the uh, bar owner complained that his insurance doesn't cover superheroes when Hercules and Wolverine are tearing up his establishment.
0: Although I do love it. Later on, he wants to know, he talks to himself and says maybe I can fight under Act of Gods.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And then we get some of Wolverine's classic character where at the end of the fight, he shakes Hercule's hand and says, what the heck? It was a good fight. That's all I really wanted.
0: Well, my my favorite line was uh, somewhere he talks about he was out looking for skirts, didn't realize that... Uh, oh, yes, yes. Um, Herc was going to be one of them.
1: All right. so he says, um, you know, Herc, I got to tell you, when I went out looking for skirts tonight... I was hoping for a few of dames in them.
0: I love that. Yeah. And then, of course, Hercules gets a little upset that uh, he was hoping there'd be an audience for his glorious fight, and Wolverine's just like, shut up and pass the peanuts. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So, um, of note, this is the first time we've seen Wolverine without the X-Men since his first appearance. Interesting. Yeah. So, as he gets more popular, of course, that'll happen a little more often, but... You know, kind of lame that it happened in this little backup story that was kind of lame in the back of a reprint magazine. But, um, you know, it is kind of significant. So, all right, what would you grade this one?
0: It's only going to get like two claws.
1: Two out of six? Okay. I also gave the backup from Marvel Treasury Edition, number 26, two out of six claws. And I said, just like a nicked with no T, this comic doesn't quite cut it. All right, so let's get to what we're here for, shall we? Yes, let's. All right. Okay, so this is what we're here for. Some Uncanny X-Men with some uh, estrogen, as Denise said earlier. That's right. (laughs) All right, so the first up, we have Uncanny X-Men number 129. This is God Spare the Child.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: So it's by Chris Claremont and John Byrne as usual. Uh, Terry Austin is the inker. Tom Orzjakowski is the letterer. Bob Sharon is the colorist this time. All right. So we also have a return of John Byrne and Terry Austin to the cover, and this one is really nice. Like it quite a bit. And to uh, foreshadow our. Uh, female-focused episode, the X-Men logo, the block letters are bright pink. Alright, so we have Save Us from the Knights of Hellfire. And we have Colossus, Storm, and Wolverine fighting three giant crimson robots. I gotta say the thing on the back looks very Star Wars. and it also looks like I used to have a toy robot. It was a red, white square. It looked like kind of like a Volvo. And he had blue arms with claws. And that thing... With the circle and the three bars inside the rectangle exactly was on his back.
0: So what are you saying?
1: I'm just saying I remember vividly this toy I had. Oh, okay. I used to use it with my Star Wars toys.
0: Isn't that the best when you're a kid? You like intermingle yeah. your toys. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Me and Cameron had a thing called Prime Coordinator, which was like all our toys known together. and it with was a based, touch
0: of OCD. The
1: base... Um, the prime coordinator was the uh, old Gobot base had a head that talked and we lost the base but we had the head and he was like our deity and he was the prime coordinator of the universe and then it was mostly G.I. Joe and Star Wars but there was some other stuff thrown in too.
0: I love that a theologian had a deity as a toy. <laughs>
1: hey someone's got to rule the universe. Right. <laughs> 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 okay. Anyway, I, th- I really enjoy, um, of course, having burn back on the covers. I thought the art was really cool. I thought the colors were nice. The inks. I love the way uh, Austin inks this metal kind of in- coming out of the foreground. That looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think of this cover? I thought it was awesome.
0: I thought it was pretty good, too.
1: Okay, cool. All right. So basically, here's what we got. The X-Men, of course, remember we're on Muir Island fighting Proteus. And that's all over, so the X-Men are leaving Muir Island. If you want more details, just listen to the last flashback episode. It's all there. All right? So the X-Men are leaving Muir Island, but Banshee is going to stay with Moira. Madrix, Alex, and Warna are also all staying. Jason Weingard pulls Gene into an old-timey fantasy where they're engaged, but Gene resists this time. (gasps) Gene and Scott reignite their love. The X-Men arrive home to find Professor X... Who's in a really foul mood? Two new mutants pop up on Cerebro, one in New York and one in Chicago. And the X-Men will split up and go on recruiting trips. Here we meet the Hellfire Club, finally. Kind of have been talking about them, but we finally see them. And the three kind of big ones that we know are Jason Weingard. We meet a new characters, Emma Frost and Shaw. Which, that's all we know right now is Shaw.
0: And we don't actually see Shaw.
1: His face is in shadow, but we see his name, yeah. The Hellfire Club is also recruiting mutants, and they hacked Cerebro and the X-Men computers and stole all their information. So then we go to Chicago, and Emma Frost is recruiting student Catherine Pride. She's been having these weird headaches, but she's still creeped out by Emma, and she goes upstairs to take a nap, but phases through her bed upstairs, lands in the living room downstairs. If a frost leaves and the X Men come to recruit her, they do a better job because Sunday, Monday, happy days, Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. They take Kitty and go to the malt shop. Kitty and Storm hit it off and are instant friends, so Storm decides to divulge hey, where are the X Men?
0: Guess what?
1: <laughs> Guess what? So Kitty's pretty stoked until they get attacked by the Hellfire Club knights. And each knight is tasked to take out one X-Men. Or one X-Men, I guess. (laughs) That's a Jewish name, (laughs) X-Men. So Kitty gets scared and phases outside of the malt shop. Wolverine realizes what's going on with the Hellfire Club. And he decides to uh, come up with this great plan of if everybody switches the bad guy, we can win. So they do. But then they all get mind-blasted by the White Queen, who is Emma Frost. And uh, they're taken hostage. But Kitty phased into the hovercraft and followed them uh, to wherever they're going to go next. All right. So I like on page two, the Banshee's going to help Moira recover. Bouch about him.
0: Yeah.
1: I will say the last panel on that page looks really cool. The one with the blackbird taking off. Yeah, that does and look And the, cool. the staying behind X-Men, the left behind, uh, yeah. waving in uh, blue silhouette. That looks pretty sweet. So, of note, on page three, and just interject if I skip over anything you want to talk about. Okay. Tough guy Wolverine is the only one with the pillow on the blackbird. Yeah. And Colossus is still uh, kind of wallowing in his self-doubt. Uh, kind of brought on because his were the hands that killed Proteus. But he's been kind of having doubts about being an X Men lately. Anyway, so all right. So on the way home, the X Men very coincidentally fly past the Hellfire Club jet and the Blackbird, and we see inside the Hellfire Club jet, and it's super posh.
0: It is, but uh, the guy. Uh,
1: Wingard or Win, Guard?
0: Yeah, Wingard is sitting there, and I guess there's somebody waiting on him.
1: Yes, the Hellfire Club is very S and M.
0: Okay, so I just think we need to take note of that outfit. Because it looks very. Similar. It was S and
1: M, but it has like the collar of like. Um, is that a the collar? Queen or of or Hearts from Alice in Wonderland.
0: Yeah, but is that a collar or her hair sticking out of the?
1: Oh, her hair's black. Oh,
0: I thought it was like a Catwoman type hat.
1: I think she probably had surgery on her shoulder. That's her cone. Oh, her cone of shame. The cone so of shame. So she doesn't lick herself.
0: <laughs> Executive producer Max just put himself over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: there's the mole in the 18th century.
0: Yeah. Thanks, babe. But she doesn't have it,
1: ever, except for when she's in the 18th century. See, not there. All right, um, I like how quickly Scott just writes off Colleen Wing. We're not, we're not dating, no, we're just friends.
0: Yeah. Let's
1: make out. Yeah. Come on, Jean.
0: We're, um, we're, we're yeah, we're just friends. Benefits, but just friends.
1: All right. So then he um explains why he was so numb and professes his love for Jean. This is kind of this is uh, when we kind of pick up Scott and Jean for reals for a little while.
0: This is also why I can't stand Jean.
1: Why? What did she do wrong in this one?
0: What did she do, Scott? Were you kind of dating that? Girl? No, we were just friends. Okay, let's make out. That happens Please. all the time. Please. All the time. Not to this woman.
1: Well, no, but all the time.
0: Because <laughs> so I'm smart enough to go bullshit. <laughs>
1: So after they make out for a little bit, they spend the rest of the flight together, sometimes touching, sometimes kissing. I think so, I uh, threw up in
0: my mouth a little.
1: <laughs> well, well Scott, uh, Scott showed her his snake on the plane. <laughs> There's, There's a lot of. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Professor X is awfully casual about finding out the X Men are alive. You know, in the past few issues, we, we had Beast find out. He was super excited. X-Men found out about Jean. They were super excited. They went to Muir Island. Uh, Havoc and uh, Polaris were super excited. Like, everyone's been really excited and reunited. And been all singing that, Reunited and, and it feels, feels so, so good song. Professor X is like, in the flesh. Greetings, my X-Men. It is so very good to see you again. To know that you are alive and well. Let's go to the danger room.
0: It's kind of like, I don't know, he reminded me of a a parent who realizes you've snuck out and they're all worried and they're (laughs) pacing back and forth and then you show up and they're like, oh, thank goodness they're alive. And then it's like, all right, you're back home. Go take a shower.
1: Right. Give me your car keys. Yeah. All right. So we get uh, on page 10, Wolverine's really pissed that Professor X is riding the X-Men so hard.
0: Because I'm like a hundred and something years old.
1: He says, Wolverine don't jump through hoops for nobody. Oh, I am a he, kid. He said that a couple issues ago, too. Yeah. So he's, he's repeating himself there. But Professor X is being kind of a prick. He, he is. bites off Cyclops' head tells him he's been doing a crappy job as a leader of the X-Men.
0: So um, why is uh, Professor X being all...
1: I don't know. He came home because he, he was off in space with his love, Lilandra Empress... Of the Shiar galaxy. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he realized that Jean couldn't control the Phoenix and she needed his help. So he comes back home. Plus, he wasn't having fun in space anyway. So he comes like, oh yeah, uh, my students need my help. I gotta go. I'll see you later.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll call you. Don't right. don't call me.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then he gets home and he's just super pissy. I don't he's know.
0: having single mommy guilt.
1: I think he's having withdrawal from his uh, alien in 11.
0: And single mama guilt.
1: I don't know how that applies.
0: Single moms, they get all excited that they can have a night out away from the kids. And then the minute, like, they're away from the kids and having fun, it's like, oh, I really should be home. Oh,
1: well, yeah. Professor x had guilt. But he thought the X-Men were dead. Even when he came back, it was just for Gene. Like, he, he still thought the other X-Men were dead. Until this very issue. And then he's so like, he's oh, having
0: um, failed single mommy guilt. <laughs>
1: I guess. Whatever. From page 14, we find out. Remember that Warhawk guy? Not Colossus?
0: Not Colossus? Yeah.
1: Remember how he was talking to somebody and taking orders from somebody? Yeah. So we find out now that that somebody was the Hellfire Club. Ooh. So I also wanted to know, and we have White Queen and Wingard and Weingard. I'm going to be super inconsistent Wingard on that Wingard and Weingard. Let's go with Wingard.
0: Wingard? Okay. It sounds like Mouthguard. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway,
1: uh, he refers to, he wants to make Jean the Black Queen. That's his goal. So that, that's all right. And we have the Hellfire Club Knights.
0: So they're a deck of cards. No, it's all
1: chess related.
0: What's but, the heart the, Well, that's what clubs... I'm about to
1: ask you. But then on their banners, on their secret chairs, it's the suits from a deck of cards. Well so you what do is have it? A... Is, it, is it chess or is it cards?
0: Well, but, okay. So some, some people, you know, you have the Black Queen... On a deck of cards, and some people call the jokers the knights.
1: Okay, but what's a white queen in a deck of cards? There's no, there's not one. So, anyway, the Hellfire Club is mixing their metaphors.
0: Or maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe there's some really old correlation between chess and cards that we don't know about.
1: Maybe so. Someone Wikipedia that. So, I will note this is the first appearance of the white queen and the first appearance of Shaw. I said that we just said... Yeah, so I don't give Shaw's first name yet. Uh, but he's just in the shadow. But, um, so we do have the White Queen with her... All right, so then... But then we also get, in the same issue, the first appearance of Kitty Pride.
0: Ooh.
1: But anyway, she is very different looking. I, I like the John Byrne, like... trying to make her look like a kid. And, you know, like, just, just a difference, okay? Compared to today. Because today... They then go to links to point out that she's, what, 13, 14?
0: Uh, yeah, she's 13 going on
1: 14. Yeah. I am 15 going on 16. Well sound of music for you fools.
0: I'm sorry. Every time I hear that song, I just think of Family Guy when they're trying to figure out Meg's age. Oh. I am da-da-da going <laughs> on da-da-da.
1: <laughs> All right. So remember when I bitched about... In the present day about uh, in the Hellfire Club saga, oddly enough, how I thought Idy was a little over-sexualized. Yes. Supposed to be like 14. Yes. Here, Kitty is very teenager looking.
0: Yes, she is. And she's not
1: ugly or anything, but she's just kind of looks like a kid. Her boobs aren't all hanging, bouncing around all over the place.
0: And she has a star of David. Is she Jewish?
1: Well, yes. We're talking more about that here in a little bit.
0: Oh, sorry. Jumping ahead. No, that's fine.
1: So yeah, but I thought it was cool that she just kind of looks like a normal teenager. So kudos to John Byrne for that design.
0: There actually is, side note, there is a game called Nightmare. Night, meaning like a knight.
1: Right, K-N.
0: Mm-hmm. Nightmare Chess. And Nightmare Chess is played with cards that change the default rules of chess. And
1: Hellfire Club is a quote-unquote nightmare. 'Cause they're evil and bad. So
0: there's also fifty two okay. chess openings playing cards.
1: I apologize to Chris Claremont, he's a genius.
0: He's he just took a common there is a common ground between the two.
1: Yep. Alright. So anyway, Kitty is immediately creeped out by Emma Frost. But I like also that this is her origin story and her powers are very accidental. Yes. Uh, she doesn't know what's going on. She just knows she has these headaches. And she gets real stressed out and lays on her bed and suddenly, like, wakes up downstairs. I also like how when the X-Men show up as Emma's leaving that Logan very obviously checks out Emma Frost. He is nice-looking, frail. Something about her synth, though, raises the hackles on my neck. Wonder why. Wonder. <laughs> so Wolverine can smell her evil, but he still checks her out. <laughs> In his J.R. Ewing uniform.
0: What yeah. the hell is that? This is that? What I'm talking about. This is his
1: urban cowboy that he dressed up in in the way. I'm Sloan.
0: so glad he decided to buy a new wardrobe.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm from Texas. I hate bolo ties.
0: <laughs> they should be extinct.
1: <laughs> so I will also note that Kenny on First Blush thinks that Pete is cute. Yes. And of course, you know that's you know we'll see where that goes. So then we end up at the malt shop where, like any malt shop, Wolverine is going to read Penthouse.
0: I had to read that twice because I wasn't 100% sure what he was reading. And then yeah. it was like, really? That's yeah. what you have him reading? Really? Penthouse. Yep. So we have two faux pas in like two frames back to back. What do you mean? Well, Kitty's in the malt shop telling Storm, we we got black people like you at my school. <laughs> yeah. I read that and went, what the hell?
1: Yeah, right. So that was on the... the,
0: That was right here. Oh,
1: yeah. On page 19, she goes, we got black kids in my school, Aurora, but none of them look like you. I mean, you know, so really early in my career at Hardin-Simmons...
0: Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah.
1: We had a guy named Devon, and he happened to be black. Uh Uh-huh. He was a a friend of ours that we met early on and got to be good friends with pretty quickly. Then we had another friend who's we'll call Reith Rootin, it's not quite his name. He was from a very small town.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So one day, we're sitting in the cafeteria at lunch. And you can just see uh, me, Cameron, our friend Johnny, Devon, and Devon's roommate, Brian. Okay. And and Reef comes up. Reef Rooten comes up. And he's he's friends with Johnny. And he sits down. He's eating lunch. And we're all talking, having fun, joking, typical day in the cafe in college. And you just see Reese Will spinning. And he's trying to think of a way to get in the conversation. You know, it's his first day to meet all of us. You know, he's trying to, like, be included or whatever. Out of nowhere, stops the conversation cold, looks at Devon and says, You know, we have some colored people on our basketball team back home. <laughs> and Devon handled it very graciously. And his, uh... You know, you know people, if there are certain people, you know the dolls that you pull the string yes. and they, they say things? Well, Devon had a doll and he pulled the string, one of the things it would have said when, What? <laughs> and he would just yell that across campus whenever anything weird happened. So when Keith said that, he just looked to, I'm sorry, Reef said that, he just went at Reef and said, What? And just laughed and, and took it all very good naturedly. But we gave Reef a hard time about that. well, well still probably (laughs) so anyway he meant well he didn't mean anything by it all that's why Devon didn't get mad he was just just a small town boy living in a small town world or whatever and he just he said the first thing he could think of to try to relate to Devon and he just came out completely wrong (laughs) but he's from a super small town in west Texas
0: uh huh
1: Kenny Pride is in Chicago uh huh. She should know better. I'm just gonna leave it at that.
0: Yeah, let's do.
1: All right. Um. Uh, what else? Oh, so Wolverine. <laughs> I guess he's reading penthouse, and you know he he his healing is accelerated. I guess his um blue balls are also accelerated. He's super ornery. <laughs> uh, he's really grouchy when he's reading this penthouse.
0: Well, that's because he's. Getting aroused, but there's nothing.
1: Right. Just just bumping up against that adamantium hip.
0: Yeah. That's got to hurt. Right?
1: (laughs) But then he smiles, and he's he's ready to pick a fight with the store clerk who asks him. Tells him it's not a library, it's it's a malt shop.
0: Why is there porn at the malt shop? I don't
1: know. I guess 80s in the Chicago is a different time.
0: I guess so. Because, you know, if I owned a malt shop, that would be the first thing I'd buy in my inventory. Right, stock the
1: shelf. Penthouse and Playboy.
0: Yeah, right next to the Ben and Jerry's.
1: Right. So anyway, the uh, the Hellfire Club knights bust through the window, and I like how Wolverine's ready for a fight. An answer to his prayers, he says.
0: Ooh, yeah, so he can let and off he's... some
1: of... Right, he's going to let off some of that penthouse steam. Um <laughs> So he pulls his clothes off and he's got his uniform underneath complete with giant shoulder pads. <laughs> it was somehow under his uh, suit.
0: Go, go gadget shoulder pads. <laughs> right.
1: So they fight for a while. We talked about that. I will say on page 27, the Mind Blast panel looks awesome. And uh, kudos to the color, the new color, Bob Sharon, on that. It's all kind of pink tones, but it looks really, really cool. Yeah, it does. So we get more hovercraft revenge. If you've been following along the flashback episodes, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, the Hellfire Club have a hovercraft. And they load the X-Men in there to take them away. And apparently in the Hellfire Club, failure equals blown up. So Emma Frost, White Queen. You
0: are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah,
1: Click a button and the Hellfire Knights and the X-Men defeated are exploded. On site. So then uh, Emma has the Hellfire Club guy strip the X-Men. <laughs> down she, to their skibbies. Yep, so do a strip search. And she says, make sure we know about Storm's lock, or, yeah, lockpicks in her yeah. headdress. Check her extra carefully and make sure there's no other surprises.
0: That guy's so going down later. Yeah,
1: so for example, does the carpet match oh, the yeah. drapes? So that's what Emma wants to know. I about, can't
0: believe you went there.
1: About Storm. I
0: can't then, believe then she you went Didn't you say something there. about how
1: the X-Men were always their primary target? Which I'm like, what? Because back earlier they said, we want to go get new mutants. Oh, and by the way, the X-Men will probably be there. Let's take them out.
0: Yeah. And they- now,
1: suddenly on the last page, the X-Men. because The guy asked, what about uh, the new mutant Kitty pride?
0: Oh, we don't care about her. Nope.
1: The X-Men is the primary target all along. You know what this is? This is like the kid when you're racing and you beat him <laughs> and he goes, oh, I wasn't really racing. Yeah. That's exactly what Evan just did. All right, so anything else before we talk about our overall thoughts on the issue?
0: No, I think we're good. I think we covered it.
1: All right. So a couple of things I really like. You mentioned the star of David that Kitty wore. Uh-huh. So I, I like this idea that, and this is something Claremont became very good at over time, we continue the diversity of the X-Men, but we're not calling attention to it. So right. instead of saying, oh, hey, this is Kitty Pryde. She's Jewish. Oh, I just got back from synagogue. You know, let's go do whatever. Like, no, she was just a normal kid, went to ballet, and they drew her with the Star of David necklace.
0: To let you know. To let
1: you know that she was Jewish. And they will talk about it over time. But instead of being like, this is our new Jewish character... No, here's a new character, and we're adding a n- another kind of element to the X-Men. Shalom. Which are already a very diverse and very different, and this is just kind of one more wrinkle. And so I thought that was really cool. I also like her origin, and the X-Men come to discover her. She doesn't really know what's going on, doesn't even know she's a mutant. Right. She just have these weird powers, and we see... We see, literally see, at like, the first time she faces.
0: Well, and I think, like, not to go to the movie, but I think that's what I enjoy about the very first X-Men movie. With Rogue, right? Yeah.
1: And we see the first time right. it happened, like, it manifests.
0: And she's completely terrified and doesn't want people to touch her, and it, it just, if that happened to you, if you woke up one day and realized you were looking at the underside of the bed, right. you know, what would you, don't <laughs> think you'd be like, cool... Right, you'd freak out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, but that, that's pretty different because at this point, most, if not all, of the X-Men stories, if we get a, a first time of their power, we get it in flashback later. So this is kind of the first time. or It may have happened with a couple of the minor characters in the 60s. I don't remember for sure. But it's either the first time or at least the first time in a while that we're introduced to a character as she becomes a mutant. Or right. He or she. All right. So, anything else on this one? No. All right. Where'd you rate this one?
0: I gave this one four out of six.
1: Four out of six? Okay. I gave this six out of six clause.
0: It would have been higher, except... They talk a lot, and they reiterate <laughs> That's just and this era for you. A whole lot. Yes,
1: they do. Fairmont uh, definitely overexplains from time to time. But, um, but no, I, I really like Kenny Pride's introduction. We'll talk a little bit later. I thought it was kind of stupid. As a Wolverine podcast, I had to bitch a little bit that he's... I know they're trying to make him, like, tough and badass, but reading a penthouse in a malt shop doesn't make you badass. It just makes you a perv. So anyway, I didn't really like him reading The Penthouse, but I kind of let that slide because the rest of the comic was pretty cool. So yeah, I'm going to give it six out of six claws. Nice. All right, let's move to the next one. Okay, so next up we have Uncanny X-Men 130, the debut of Dazzler, another X woman of note. Of course, this is of early 80. Actually, it's, it's dated February of 80. I think if you look, it actually came out the end of 79 somewhere. So disco is kind of just hit its peak and is on the way back down at this time. Is that right? Or is it still pretty full swing?
0: I, when bet. did it really?
1: Cause I know by like 82, 83, it was over.
0: Yeah. I think it was maybe starting to phase out yeah. just a little, like okay. if you were going to catch the swing, this was the last little right, bit. Right.
1: If you want to get on the ride. Now's the time. Right. And it's just titled simply dazzler. So written by Chris Claremont, John Byrne, was a penciler and co-plotter. Terry Austin, the inker. Tom Orszakowski is the letterer. Our regular colorist, Glennis Ween, is back. And um, the cover for the first time, we have John Romina Jr. doing an Uncanny X-Men cover. And it's inked by Terry Austin. And uh, what do you describe this cover for us, Denise?
0: Well... It has Dazzler.
1: It has Dazzler in all her disco glory.
0: And Dazzler looks like a cross between Gene Simmons' kiss, a homeless gem, and an Ever-Ready flashlight.
1: And a what flashlight? Ever-Ready. Oh, okay. Well, she's putting on a light show, and I can't help but notice that the X-Men logo it's in the block letters has these, uh...
0: Caviar eggs?
1: <laughs> they're, light, they're disco lights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say though, I actually kind of like this cover. Dazzler's dumb looking, but her light show looks really cool with the colors on the X-Men. Of course, the only three pictured are a uh, Cyclops, Phoenix, and Nightcrawler. But the yellow and white like reflection of the light on them looks cool. Now, I will say, Shirley, that's the only thing that Shirley looks cool. Surely Scott's or Cyclops's visor protects him a little bit from the light. He's like Argh! trying to put his hands over his eyes
0: yeah the only thing that's cool is the way the light is colored on their uniforms otherwise right. i I totally dislike this cover.
1: You don't like the way he draws like the light
0: no oh, and right. i I don't like the way he draws Dazzler like she is the hippiest. hipppiest like, she's use not no oh, like this the. no, not of hippie. hippie not hippie is in like peace love, and oh, marijuana oh. like hippie like oh
1: yeah, she's got curves.
0: She's got saddlebags.
1: Wow! <laughs> Someone's making us an girl.
0: I'm just saying. Wait, yes. Some magic marker okay. and drawing on her leg. Let me back up. All women, all women of shape and size are beautiful. Yes. And all women have different shapes. I yes. mean, there's a reason why it's defined—the pear shape, the apple shape, the hourglass, whatever. Right. And yes, as someone who's drawn nude women and nude men, all shapes are beautiful. However, the way he draws her is so disproportionate. She's not beautiful anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know how... I mean, I she like her shoes.
1: No, I don't
0: like those either. I just don't like her.
1: <laughs> she's pretty lame.
0: She's got extensions. She's got <laughs> a giant disco ball around her neck. I... I don't like her. Sorry. No, it's okay. Frost right. in her white S and M outfit was way better than this. <laughs>
1: wow. All right. All right. So what happens in this issue? What's the, what's the gist of it?
0: Okay. So Nightcrawler, Jean, and Scott arrive in Lower Manhattan in a Rolls Royce. What? Huh? So, so
1: this is of course after like the other part. Remember, because right. Cerbero noted two mutants.
0: I know. I'm just making fun of the fact that they show up in a Rolls Royce. Oh, yeah,
1: Professor X, dude.
0: Yeah. Cerebro picked up two strong contacts. Professor X and the other X-Men are on are in their way to on their way to Chicago to check out the other one. Of course, in the Jaguar, I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. since they took the rolls, right? Left him yeah. with the jag. Uh, Nightcrawler so excited that he can climb on things. But wait, uh oh, someone's spying on them. Jean and Scott enter the disco because they followed uh, Shannon Tweed and Jean Simmons into it. <laughs> Scott scans the room with his watch that is a mini cerebro that tells him everything he needs to know that took up three panels Just to explain why this watch does it and then he asked gene to psychically scan the room as well, right? Yeah. Back at the Hellfire Gentlemen's Club, <laughs> we find Jack Nicholson and Tom Selleck. I mean, um, Sebastian Shaw and Jason Weingard. And they go back and forth about their plan. Frost buzzes in. She's caught the other set of the X-Men. And the one that got away, Kitty Pride, well, she's fine. Except she stowed away. She stowed away is now trying to figure out how to save the X-Men. Storm tells Kitty, Oh, they may have gotten all the little bands out of my headband, but they forgot this piece of paper with a phone number <laughs> written on it.
1: That is scary around.
0: <laughs> yeah, this randomly.
1: Before smartphones.
0: Right. She tells Kitty, run and call the number on this and tell them what's happening. But somebody sees Kitty. They chase her down and she jumps through a wall. And back at the disco, Jean slips back to the 18th century, marries Jason Weingard, and Jean becomes the black queen of the Hellfire Academy. She then slips back to the disco where she's still kissing Weingard, and then we see... da 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 The gem kissable! Oh, I mean Dazzler. The new mutant! Kitty then calls the Rolls-Royce phone, (laughs) and Nightcrawler answers, and while on the phone, the Hellfire... Knights come and knocking on the car. This is why you don't take the rolls out, by the way.
1: Right. Because next thing you know, a Hellfire Knight's ripping the door off.
0: That's right. They fight in the disco. More Hellfire Knights show up. Phoenix begins to change everybody's clothes because you know that's what she can do.
1: Yes, she can.
0: They fight. Dazzler makes a funny joke in her head, and then a not-so-funny joke comes out of her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah. She short short circuits the nights in a giant disco ball of light. All four of them head out to the car, because somewhere along the way, Nightcrawler fell into the disco. Yes. Uh, They head out to the car to leave, where they jump in, and they speed off, and they pass Weingard, who's standing on the corner, and Scott wonders, where has he seen this man before?
1: Yeah, all right. Sounds good. So I thought it was cool on page two. The Hellfighter Club has these monitors. And on one side are like the X-Men and their civilian identity and their uniform. Of course, Nightcrawler looks the same in both. Right. But then the other set of monitors is like video of them using their powers. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool. Like, it is pretty you know, cool. It's
0: If you're going to fight your enemies, you right. need to know how they fight.
1: Exactly. Alright, all right. so this disco they go to is an, in an old abandoned building, which by the way...
0: That's totally Gene Simmons, that's totally Shannon Tweed.
1: You think so? I think that's Rocky from that mask movie, with the <laughs> deformed face, and that Cher.
0: Well, didn't Gene Simmons play Rocky in the movie? What? <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm oh. teasing. <laughs> I'm trying to make it funny that's not so funny. That's alright. <laughs> that's why you love me. Yeah. So anyway,
1: the disco uh, is in this old abandoned building, which John Byrne does a really good job on the art. Oh, that's uh, so what I was getting to. Scott makes a line that this is where old discos go to die. Yeah, And this, that was pretty funny. This is
0: why I think uh, disco's slowly on its way out. Right. When people start making fun of it.
1: <laughs> Especially when the, uh, Scott makes fun of it. Of course, he, he would have never liked it anyway. He wouldn't have been too uptight for it.
0: Although I do think it's funny. When he did say this line, I had this flashback in my head. You know, Ethan loves that show Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Well, the Phineas and Ferb come up with a platypus-themed restaurant. And, you know, they have opening night. There's a line out the door. And then, of course, the restaurant flies off. Something happens and one of the customers goes, let's go to that new beaver establishment because platypus restaurants are so five seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. Just reminded me of like our society today.
1: All right. Well, so with are Gene Simmons and Shannon Tweed. Also at the disco is the Joker and the Joker's wife.
0: Yes. Wait, and she's got some random bubbles. What the hell is that?
1: Something in her hair. But the Joker has a safety pin through his nose.
0: Yes, yes, he does. Maybe it's his disguise. If Superman can hide with a pair of glasses, the Joker <laughs> can hide with a safety pin.
1: Right? Anybody can, get a, can hide in the disco. That's right. the freaks went, right?
0: I love how there's a random glove. It is the Joker. Oh, that my a, goodness. <laughs>
1: yes. Laying on the ground is a Joker glove for no reason. I also like the guy, Av- Avril Levine's Lavigne, Avril previous life, before she uh, reincarnated into a, a little girl, is this guy in a t-shirt and a tie. Yes.
0: Oh, and then we have Pancho Villa.
1: Yeah. What's he doing there? I don't know. I did think, I wish I had telepathy at concerts.
0: That would be cool. So I could talk to people without having to yell. Or just smile at them and right. bob exactly your head up and what down. what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: Alright, so then we go to uh, the Hellfire Club, Chicago's secret hideout. So there are these cages with inhibitor fields that um, keep their powers from working. But, alright, so you inhibit Wolverine's healing factor, but can you really... I mean, is there a field that can make him not pop his claws? That's not really like a power, it's just what comes out of them.
0: Maybe it's a magnetic field that keeps his claws inside? I don't know.
1: Like, you know, plus, when two
0: magnets propel each yeah,
1: other. Plus all three X-Men have their hands wrapped around the bars of the cages.
0: So why saying- does the
1: Colossus just stick his arm through the hole all the way out, turn his arm into metal, and come back and smash the cage and then let himself out? Because
0: that would be a flaw in their plan. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But, 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 on the upside, x on X-Undies. However, that didn't stop Naked uh, Storm from slipping a piece of paper in her bra.
1: Yeah, apparently. Well, you know.
0: With a phone number. Yeah. Now, what cracks me up is... Okay, wait. Let's think about this for a second. So, in her underwear and sports bra, she has a piece of paper with a phone number shoved between her boobs. On top of all of that, she now has her little, like, X-Men uniform, which is leather tight. Probably doesn't have a zipper up the front. So... When she gets in trouble, what is she gonna do? Hang on, could you get that zipper for me real quick? Hang on, just a second. Okay, don't peek. Okay, hang on. Uh, okay, I I got this piece of paper. I need to give it to someone real quick. Here, can you can you take that and call? Okay, could you sit me back up again? Okay, now I'm ready to fight. Really? <laughs> flaws, flaws, flaws. And don't you think they were told to like check them down, make sure there's nothing right? in there? They said to
1: check Storm especially close.
0: Yes, and somehow that piece of paper shoved between her boobs just missed the radar. Yep, so
1: Jean in the flashback talks or about... Or is it
0: in her underwear?
1: Because when they stripped down Storm, they didn't strip her down as far. She has a lot more underwear on than the other X-Men.
0: Well, she's got her sports bra with her big-ass yeah. boobs. <laughs> Why are they so big? They're not that big in the previous panel. Well, yeah, they are. Go No, go back a page or two
1: can't really tell maybe the inhibitor field makes them grow it's the uninhibitor field
0: it's the uninhibitor field yeah it's the playboy field
1: all right so um Jean refers to Wingard's manly beauty and oh, that was funny
0: then on... she's just so lusting for him
1: oh yeah definitely I mean that's part of part of uh, Jason Wingard's plan is to uh, kind of manipulate himself into Jean believing that he is the love of her life. The one for her.
0: See, her boobs are not that big in this issue. Okay,
1: I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I'm just saying.
1: All right, so in this Wingard's land, Jean marries him and becomes a black queen, like you said. And she has um, a
0: very similar outfit. Um, to the white queen yes yeah
1: that's kind of the hellfire club thing like i said M. then i was gonna say oh so what is this this personalized license plate supposed to say it's chas chas dash x dash t you know I, I referenced back to page one is and it could be an x1 so it can be chas x1
0: like charles xavier
1: Oh. Okay, somehow I don't think Professor X is hip enough to get a license plate that says Chaz. <laughs> I don't know, I could be wrong.
0: He is having weird moments at the t- at right now.
1: <laughs> yes, he
0: is. Maybe that's part of his identity crisis. Maybe so. We need to get rid of all the personal plates that just say X-Men 1, right. 2, 3, and 4 Yeah. and go for Chaz.
1: So apparently they're having a sale on the uh, skin-tight metal pants. Obviously. He's the guy that introduces Dazzler. girl, I don't know who it is. The person with the fro that introduces Dazzler has on gold skin-tight pants. And Uggs. Huh, who knew? <laughs> and then Dazzler comes out and dazzles everybody.
0: I was surprised Dazzler didn't have bell bottoms.
1: Yeah. She looks like um, an extra from Chips.
0: No, she she looks like a homeless gem she looks like a gene simmons love child her
1: hair's pretty crazy
0: it's called volumizing moose right
1: all right so again the hellfire club nights are designed to take out specific x-men i do like when when you're you talking about how gene changed cyclops clothes into his uniform
0: yes i like
1: how cyclops is like huh
0: well yeah he says she transformed my street clothes into my costume, just like that. I'm oh, beginning right, right. to wonder.
1: And Jean says, I don't know, Scott, but the sooner Phoenix and Cyclops deal with it, the sooner we'll learn. Which just reminded me of the uh, 60s Batman, where they're in their civilian clothes, and they, go to, they get ready to go into the Batcave, and Bruce Wayne will be like, well, I don't know, Dick, but I bet Batman and Robin can figure it out <laughs> Like they're two different people. They slide <laughs> down into the Batcave. <laughs> or uh,
0: what? the old Wonder Woman series. I yeah. think this is a job for Wonder Woman.
1: Right. right. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> I thought on page 23, the colors were really nice on the whole page.
0: They are really nice. Yeah.
1: Especially when they shoot Gene with yeah. the mental bubble or whatever.
0: Yeah, I love when anyone takes a shot at Gene.
1: <laughs> All right. And so then Dazworth says or thinks something about Starship Troopers. I was like, huh?
0: That was hilarious. Oh, yeah, it
1: was a book way back yeah. then. Yeah. And then she
0: opens her mouth and says, you messed up my dy- oh my show.
1: Yes. Dad's were talking very jive in this issue. Super annoying.
0: Yeah, but mentally she's fine. Right. When she thinks to herself, she's completely fine. When she opens her mouth, she's completely stupid.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. It's a woman for you.
0: Ow! I'm just teasing. Um... So I also like on page 26, the uh, quick
1: blast by Cyclops looks really cool.
0: It does look cool. I like how it it shows him twice with little lines between him. Right.
1: So on page 27, Nightcrawler puns. He says, I'm black and blue all over, but I'm that way anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did laugh when I read that. I did
1: too. I did too. And so they're driving off and Cyclops is like, maybe someday he'll remember that he recognized the shadow on the wall. And that part was kind of dumb. It was in a way of trying to foreshadow or or get the readers like, wait, wait, that's somebody else. Oh, who is he really? Who is he really? I think about it all the time. But the art of Wingard's Shadow on the wall looks really cool. It does. The the pencils, inks, and colors just it's a great panel. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anything else you want to talk about? What are we? No. Review. All right. So my overall thoughts. Oh. One thing, in the letters page, a guy named Bob Bull wrote in, and he agrees with me about the whole Mariko-Jean thing, that Wolverine should let Jean go, doesn't make sense, and is much better off with Mariko, which is what I've been saying the whole time. I never really was as excited about Wolverine being in love with Jean.
0: No man should be in love with Jean.
1: <laughs> I think her and Cyclops are a perfect pair.
0: Oh. uh. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not going there. All right. All right. So
1: anyway, this issue, we have a new character, Dazzler. You know, when she's not talking, she's not horrible here. If oh. she
0: just could think to herself all the time, yeah. she'd be fine.
1: All right. So granted, she's a dumb character. Overly. But the idea of using her power for entertainment, like that's a cool concept.
0: I think it's a cool way of going, I don't know why I can do this. Right. But if and this- I'm not,
1: but instead of being a hero, I'm just going to be a rock star.
0: Right. It's- I'm going to use this in a way that doesn't freak people out. Right. Because for all other people know, there's some guy in a light room yeah. switching on lights.
1: Right. So there's a lot of different stories about the uh, origin of Dazzler. Okay. So um, Marvel and a record company got together. Oh, dear. Yeah. And they wanted to make this character. They're actually planning on making a movie about a superhero, a disco superhero. And she was going to sing, and they were going to make a soundtrack of Dazzler songs. And of course, some executives said, you know what? I think this disco thing is kind of on the way out. Uh, maybe we shouldn't spend, you know, I, back then it probably wasn't millions of dollars, but, you know, whatever, and make this movie, and they cut the project.
0: Then they came out with Jam.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but Marvel still had it, and there's some reports that Chris Claremont and John Byrne were kind of... um told they were going to introduce dazzler All right marvel's like uh, we have this character we're not going to waste it you got to use it she's going to be an x-men for a while okay cool go so there's i think claremont and Byrne wrote her like they did the best to kind of make it their character when it really wasn't but um you anyway, know that's kind of some of the the dazzler backstory
0: i won't lie there's a lot of things about dazzler that do remind me of jim Oh, yeah. And Jem came out in the 80s, I don't know right? which was
1: first. I think Jem was after, way after this.
0: Well, yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were like, I can just see in some studio childhood production company. They're like, we, we seriously, like, we need a new character. What should we do? I just read an X-Men with <laughs> this chick Dazzler. What if we made her rock and roll, called her Jem, and gave her some friends? There you go. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So anything else you want to talk about this one? Other than she's stupid, no, I could go on for days.
1: I do think the Hellfire Club are a really formidable foe. Let me rephrase I, that. I, I'm really enjoying the the introduction proper of the Hellfire Club these last two issues.
0: Yeah, I will say, Dazzler's probably for the '80s, a great man's wet dream. But as a woman, uh, no, I don't think so. As a <laughs> as a woman, she's just stupid.
1: Yeah, she's pretty dumb, especially when she talks. Yeah, but the idea of her just kind of using her power for personal Entertainment. promotion, ambition, whatever—I uh, I like that concept. I think nowadays we've seen that played out so many different ways in modern times that they're done a lot deeper and a lot better. But that wasn't as common back then, so I enjoyed it. All right, so before we uh, move to our conclusion, what are you gonna rate this one?
0: Three out of three.
1: Three out of six, you mean?
0: I'm sorry, three out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it four, four. Whatever, you wrote five out of six at the top of your I paper. I did
1: write five out of six. You know, because all the stuff that's not Dazzler, I like a lot. Like, love. And the parts that are Dazzler are okay. The art was fantastic, as usual, by Byrne. Yeah, no, I'll give Uncanny X-Men number 130, five out of six claws. Denise will give it a paltry three out of six claws.
0: Sorry, Dazzler. That's okay.
1: All right, so this is the conclusion of our flashback episode. I know you miss Cameron's sound effects, but um, don't worry, he'll be back soon.
0: All right, so I'm let's... not good enough. What? My little like sound effects aren't good enough. Well, oh, no, but he
1: has them on on a, a machine.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'll try better next time.
1: You're doing fine. Why are you acting bitter?
0: Because uh, you made me read Dazzler. <laughs> Anyone would be bitter after I that.
1: I didn't make you. You got to read Dazzler.
0: Oh, I got to. As you're like, hey, why don't you uh, put the iPad down and and read this comic?
1: Yeah. All right. So as usual, we're going to recap and summarize what we learned this episode about Wolverine.
0: And what we wish we hadn't spent our time reading. <laughs>
1: All right. So we learned that Wolverine prefers Pet House to Playboy. Ugh. He likes his porn a little dirtier, a little nastier. Ugh. All right, so we also saw Wolverine's first appearance without the X-Men since his first appearance. I wouldn't call it his first solo story because at this point in time, Hercules has been on the Avengers, the Champions. I mean, he was not as popular as Wolverine by any stretch, but he was a pretty popular character. So it wasn't like Wolverine and some other guy. I mean, it was a legit backup story for both of them. Okay. But, you know, it was, like I said, his first appearance without the X-Men. I wouldn't really call it a guest appearance either because it was a backup story in a reprint book. So it's not like he was showing up in somebody else's book. So I don't really know what you'd call it, but it was an interesting little side note.
0: <laughs> it was a side note. Yeah.
1: So we got our first Kitty Pride, And of course, their relationship is something that we'll see grow a lot. So that was cool. Even they they didn't interact much, this, these two no. issues. What else? Oh, first first real appearance, they've been talking about it, but first time we see the Hellfire Club. Which is cool. Yeah, and there'll, there'll be a thorn in Wolverine and the X-Men side. Well, they still are. So
0: I was going to say, till present day, right? Yeah,
1: so that was cool to see that. And I, I really, really like the introduction of the Hellfire Club. The whole, like, we're going to dress like British Parliament people. When I was a kid, I thought I was kind of lame. I didn't mind it as much this time, but um, it's still not the most awesome thing in the world. But the Hellfire Club concept, though, is really, really cool. Uh, This elite, like almost Illuminati type, yeah, gentlemen's club, as they say in this issue. Yeah, I just, I don't, I really like it, and I like. It seems it's really weird because it seems fairly obvious that these Hellfire Club guys would probably act pretty misogynist.
0: Yeah. But the White
1: Queen, I mean, she's pretty equal to what's going on.
0: She is, but she's also... I mean, she's
1: not in charge at this point by any stretch.
0: No, and I I think that's why it seems like she's an equal. They've given her a level of power, but they are still over her.
1: Right, and then she's off doing this mission by herself, so...
0: Yeah, but she still has to answer to them. Yeah, yeah, she does. And so I think in a way they they don't care that she's off.
1: Right. But as opposed to her just being the girl on the plane, she's a much more independent character. Yes. So I thought that was cool. Alright, so let's let's kinda of get to the, the gist. Alright, so there were three we'll say two and a half <laughs> main X Men, important X Men female characters introduced in these two issues. Can you pride Emma Frost? And Dazzler. Hey. Dazzler is a half. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, there are some points in X history where she is a main member of the team.
0: Oh, goodness. But anyway. But, I like the, the comic where she's a dead Dazzler. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> in uh, Battle of the Atom. So, I'm going to kind of ask you two questions, and I'll let you answer them in the order you want. Okay. And I don't really know which way would make the better conversation.
0: Okay.
1: So of these three female characters, A, how do you think they were represented as far as like the strength of a female character? And then B, what was your favorite of the three and why?
0: Okay, so what was so my like favorite fe- one?
1: As a female reader reading the introduction of these characters, did you feel like good about their place?
0: Okay. Did you so feel like,
1: no, they're being like diminutive or...
0: Dazzler's just stupid. I feel like they capitalized on like the dumb blonde. Like... I, okay. I, to me, that character is so flushable, it's not even funny. Right. So we, we're not even going to talk about her. Okay. So we, I know you're not going to
1: pick as your favorite.
0: Flush. Whoopsh. Okay. So between Frost and Kitty, I feel like we're kind of comparing apples to oranges because we don't know a whole lot about Frost other than she's the white queen. She's working for the Hellfire yeah. Academy. She has
1: mental powers.
0: She has mental powers and she's in a position of power.
1: And she ha- she runs her own school.
0: She does run her own school. But that's all we know. Yeah. And then there's Kitty, who she's young. However, you know, she does things that her actions, I guess, without her talking, speak a lot of what's to come of her. Right. So, for example, when she says, I don't really like that Frost woman, I don't know why, but then I feel a connection to these other people. It's sort of like as a woman, she, you know, she has that. You know mental instinct I guess a woman's intuition of good versus bad I feel good about this I don't feel good about it and when she's running through Frost's lair or whatever and she you know the guy that the guy's running after her like tee hee this is a dead end she's trapped she knew up front I'm gonna run down this dead end because then they're not gonna be able to get to a door Yeah, she was very
1: smart. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I thought that played a lot that that spoke volumes as she knew, Okay, I'm going to run down this corridor because I know they can't get uh, there's no door to come follow me. They're going to have to backtrack and they don't know what my power is. And so that to me was very intelligent and very smart and sort yeah. of like um, foreshadowing of what's to come of her character.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a great first appearance.
0: Yeah. And so I, that's why I kind two. of feel like. These two. Yeah. I think that's why I feel like we're kind of. That question is almost like apples and oranges, because with Frost, we're given a little bit of background, but there's no There's no foreshadowing of what's to come. And with Kitty, there's no background. She just got her powers. And yet we're allowed to see a little bit of foreshadowing of what is to come with her character.
1: Right. You think part of that is because she's a hero intended to be a regular member of the team and Frost? and You know, when John Byrne and Chris Claremont are are pumping out these villains, you never really know which ones are going to work and which ones aren't. Right. So, like, they... Chris Claremont may may have said, man, I hope that everybody likes the Hellfire Club and I can use them for years and years and years. Or this may have been the only story they were in, you know? So that may be why he didn't flesh her out as immediately as he did Kitty Pryde. Because Kitty, he wanted... Like, it's very important that readers latch onto her. Right. Whereas Emma Frost... While, she, while I thought it was cool as that she was a very powerful female villain, that she was still kind of just a villain,
0: right? Right now, yeah.
1: So so I think we'll see more of her to come. But yeah, I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'm gonna just have to put them in two separate camps because, like I said, it's it's the yin and yang. Right. One, you know, the background and no future. One, you can see where she's going, but she has no background because she's a new mutant to begin with. She she herself has no background.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, you know that she's like in dance class and she's supposed to be a pretty smart student.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, she's just discovering her powers as well. Right. Yeah. So, whereas Frost obviously has had her powers for a while. Right. So, I... I'm just going to leave those two as you can't really compare them. But I think equally as a woman, I think they're two strong characters that I would want to see more of.
1: Yeah. Okay. I guess that's kind of what I was getting around or trying to ask. Which
0: one did I want to see more of? Well, no,
1: but just how did you think they played out? I,
0: I I think they're great. I think. I I, got
1: Claremont and Byrne and Byrne is kind of the co-plotter. Did a really good job of focusing in writing very strong female characters that are that are independent and have personality and basically carried these two books. Yeah. Even you don't really like Dazzler which I don't really <laughs> like Dazzler very much. But still she was a lot of the focus of one thirty. And the part that wasn't focusing on her was focusing on Kenny Pride and Emma Frost again. Yes. So these two issues were very focused on the female characters and I thought well, okay. And, and it didn't feel like, oh, let's throw our female fans a bone. Like, it felt like really good, strong, meaty stories. Yeah.
0: I, actually, I kind of, and I think that's why I don't like Dazzler. I feel like Dazzler was the bone to the female.
1: Do you think it was, or do you think knowing what you know about the character that it was, throwing a bone to the editors and saying, this is what you want. Okay, we're going to do it for a couple issues. and
0: I, I can see both. I yeah. can see some marketing person, you know, sitting yeah, in their office. We need more teenage
1: girls to read our... Yeah,
0: let's come up with, you know, this thing.
1: Or we need more 20-year-old 20, 20 female co to read Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. let
0: And I guess that's what I've... Whether it's some guy or girl sitting in a marketing office saying, we need more readers, let's come up with this character right. to appease them. Or we need more female... You know characters whatever the case may be that's kind of what i feel like dazzler was right hey we need to appease this group of people we just read in a focus group that there's not enough women let's come up with this woman and you know make her all sparkly and right. and whatnot and she's cool if she's into music and so i don't know i feel like she was a bone yeah. that that's kind of all and i guess that's why she seems flushable there's nothing behind her that makes her seem like a strong, independent, smart woman.
1: She's a rock star. Oh, my right? goodness. That, that should be strong and independent. I feel like they tried. I feel like they tried. I don't think they succeeded, but I feel like they tried.
0: I feel like it was a B-minus idea.
1: <laughs> no, it's a it's a C-plus idea at best.
0: The I'm only part, it- The
1: only thing cool about... Her introduction as a character is the whole using her powers to try to do something. Well,
0: and I think that's why I'm giving it a B minus. Because they're taking a mutant's powers and using it in a different way. Her powers are to make
1: lights. Even as much as I love, like, Jubilee later, not the best power.
0: Well, no, but at the same time, you know, we can't all have super cool powers. No, and... They do
1: a good job throughout the years of having mutants lame powers and kind well, of poking fun at it.
0: And that's the thing. Like, if you, if I woke up one day and all of a sudden I could shoot light out of my fingers, I'd be like, dang it. What the hell? You know, I mean, right. It, ev- it's like evolution that gives people a tail, you know? Really? Why it am I that person? Tails. There are some people born, still born with tails. they flaps. Well, <laughs> still... <laughs> You know, it's like, dang yeah. it, it, and I guess that's the thing is, I, I that's why I'm giving it a B minus idea because they did try to like take the idea of a lame power, spin it in a positive light, but the right ex-
1: <laughs> positive dazzle light,
0: no, but the
1: rainbow bright,
0: the execution of it all, like drawing her and just everything, oh, it was. Fail, massive epic fail. Tiger blood fail. Oh no, stop. <laughs> all right. Well, I
1: think you actually like Dazzler a little bit, a little bit less than I do. I <laughs> was kind of kind of a little bit surprised. Um.
0: What would make you think okay, I like right. this character?
1: No, well, let's. All right, so let's spin it though a little bit.
0: What would make her cool? No,
1: do you think this character, let's update her, the same character, she doesn't talk as dumb because it's not the 70s jive anymore. Right. She's like a punk rock chick or...
0: And she's kind of smartassery? A little
1: emo girl. Yeah, she's very sarcastic and... um, She's
0: Christian Stewart.
1: WB (laughs) witty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what then? I mean, is this character just a casualty of a trend that didn't last? Like, were they so, let's do this right now, and then, oh, wait, nobody looks back on that fondly. (laughs) Like, I mean, is that part of the reason kind of our disgust with the character is that she was introduced as, if the character wasn't fleshable, everything around her was. So, I mean, if it was a new mutant who was very emo or very hipster, we might like it now, but in ten years, twenty years, someone else on their podcast would be like oh, just all that emo sarcastic, super ironic hipster bullshit. Oh it's so stupid. It's such a lame concept.
0: Well I think anytime you I try to just to, to play be, devil's advocate a little bit. No, I know. And and that's you know, that's the fine line in marketing is any time you try to be trendy. At what point have you gotten too trendy?
1: Well yeah, it's like when we went to that uh
0: Pie five Pi
1: five points yeah. and I asked you, I was like, I feel like everything is like super sarcastic, ironic. Yes. Like, that's the trend. Yeah. And so I kinda asked you what I thought what you thought would be next. And
0: yeah, unfortunately
1: I think you said you thought this was here for a
0: while. Yeah, it is. But, um, We're kind of at the peak. So, you know, with trends you have the one or two people who do it. Right. And then it kind of catches on. It kind of looks like a bell curve if you oh, yeah. could map yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of at, we're either at or pretty close to the top of the bell curve. Right. So you you still have maybe like another year or two after the fact, and then we'll. Pro, if I had to take a guess, we're gonna go back to hard sell.
1: All right. So I gotta say, Wolverine's not massively in these comics, but no, he's, he's not, not that cool in them.
0: He, <laughs> no, he's kind of. Do, in fact, there's a reason uh, the why I call him. In the backup story,
1: he's kind of douchey.
0: Well, and that's why I kind of called him Jr. Ewing. I mean, he's looking at Playboys. He's got a tongue gallon No, hat. Penthouse. He, penthouse, he sorry. The, he
1: uh, didn't look at the Playboy.
0: Sorry. But, I yeah, it, he just seems douchey.
1: Yeah. That's such a weird thing for them to make him do. I mean, I know what they're trying to say, but it just.
0: Yeah, but, okay, hang on. Let's back up here a second. He's out looking for a new recruit. I mean, he takes her to a malt shop and then is reading porn. Like, right. Would you, and I guess that's my thing, would you...
1: I'm assuming Katie and you Storm didn't to, even know what he was doing. Okay. I'd been over there having a conversation. But
0: uh, still, if you, let's say the company you work for says, hey, Jason, we're going <laughs> to send you to LSU, go Tigers, to recruit a student who we think is... It's got a lot of potential. And you go with a group of people and you know, hey, they're good. They're eating beignets. I'm going to go over here and look at porn. You know for a fact that's not something you should be doing on right. your work mission.
1: Oh, well, yeah. But, you know, that's the difference of the X Men in a business. <laughs> it's kind of like how I always tell you your boss would get fired a day into <laughs> the real business world. Yes. <laughs> so in Wolverine. I'm not insinuating that her no, boss sits never around and gets fired. Penthouse.
0: Wolverine would sit across the table and they'd be oh, like, Wolverine. you you're
1: trying to fire him, he'd just get his, he snicked you.
0: Yeah. His middle finger claw. <laughs>
1: oh, another YouTube video with Pete Holmes, Professor X That's fires hilarious.
0: Wolverine. Wolverine, we need to talk to you. I have a motorcycle. <laughs>
1: all right. So, um, all right. Plugs. Let's do it. Plugs. Do it. Uh, leave an iTunes review. Go do it.
0: Um, like us on Facebook. Yeah. Go, go do, do it. it.
1: <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Snickcast and go do it. Email us at snickcast at yahoo.com. Do go it. Do it. Um, what else?
0: We did Facebook, email, Twitter, web oh, page. Podcast. If you want
1: show notes, it's um, snickcast.podbean.com. Do it. Do it. Go there. Look at stuff. And uh, please tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. I of want m-
0: my first question as a woman. <laughs> okay. I want my first like, hey, D, as a girl, what do you think of Jean?
1: We know what you think of Jean.
0: Yeah, I just like to rant on that. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, that's going to do it this time. Um, this shouldn't be out just in time for you to have a happy Thanksgiving.
0: So it's like a happy turkey day, Wolverine.
1: Yeah, Wolverine's carving the turkey with his adamantium claws.
0: Ooh, I bet he makes good slices.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: They're all even and whatnot. At least
1: the middle, (laughs) too. All right, well, um, so coming up next will be the second half of the November episode. Okay. And then for, you know, our regular modern-day comics. And then the next flashback episode...
0: Am I on the next flashback?
1: Probably not, no.
0: If everyone is as upset as I am, they should email in death threats.
1: I'm going to try to get you back on for a... I'm going to try to do you and Cameron together on Days of Future Past.
0: Is that even possible?
1: I don't know. I don't think Cameron and and I can live
0: in the same, like... Universe? Yes. (laughs) Y'all were both at the wedding. It was a temporal fold. (laughs)
1: Anyway, next we're gonna kick in full screen to the Dark Phoenix saga in the uh, flashback episodes. Flashback. So we'll probably that's kind of eight parts. If I split that into two episodes, so I don't know. Depending on how things work out, uh, we might end the year with the end of the Dark Phoenix saga. So we'll see.
0: Ooh. Um,
1: anyway, you guys have a good Thanksgiving. Happy um,
0: Thanksgiving. Yep. Be thankful for all that taking. you have. Oh my goodness. Just be thankful. Thankful for what you have.
1: All right. Well until next time. Hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.